Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Shannon. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Aaron. Welcome to this episode of Book Hoarders. I'm Shannon Curry. And I'm Erin Edgar. And it, this is the November broadcast, or well, podcast. <laughs> We're not on the radio. Yeah, well, um, you know, our yeah. internet podcast of November of 2012. Yes. And in keeping with November being the month that President Kennedy was assassinated, our homework for this month was to read 112263 by Stephen King. Um, yes. And so we are here to talk about that. We left it a little long because the book is a little long. <laughs> yes, it is. But in my opinion, very well worth the read. Definitely. And and we'll talk about that later. Absolutely. Um, um, but why don't we start out by talking about our reads for the month? Okay. Well, um, I have been... I, I said last month that I was in a bit of a reading slump, and I kind of was for a while. And then I um, came out of it when I read um, *The Shining* by Stephen King, um, which I had never read. I read the, I, you know, like I haven't actually seen the movie, although I know it's one of those things that, like, it's so ubiquitous that you can, like. Like everybody knows about certain scenes, like where he comes after the family with the axe, and he's like, "Here's Johnny." <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and the all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Oh my you god! You know, like it, we we all we all yeah. like it seems like that's kind of part of the pop culture. So there was um, even a Simpsons episode where they took over a hotel. They took over a hotel and were staying there, and I guess Homer went crazy because there was no cable TV. <laughs> and and they called the hotel the Shinnin. The Shinnin. And they, they made some joke about, well, why don't we call it the Shining? And they're like, no, we can't. We'd have to pay royalties or something, <laughs> like, <laughs> or something like that. Hello! Uh, what do you think, Marge? All I need is a title. I was thinking along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer something something. Go crazy? Don't mind if I do! Stay away from me, Homer! Give me the bat, Marge! Give me the bat! Give me the bat! Come on! Give me the bat! Scaredy <laughs> cat. You stay here till you're no longer insane. Hmm. Chili will be good tonight. About the movie, there are just certain things about the movie that people know, and and the book is is somewhat different than that. Yeah. And it like it, I thought it was really interesting that that I read on the internet that Stephen King had said that like he wasn't a real fan of the movie because he thought that like a you know Jack Nicholson had being cast as as um, Jack Torrance was kind of a spoiler in and of itself because he was known as as you know McMurphy from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest so it's like <laughs> oh. oh he's playing the crazy guy 
but he but uh yeah so so the book was the book was interesting i it's it's not my favorite of stephen king's books and and like um i i could definitely draw some comparisons when we talk about 11 63 um but it was it was good um i'm i'm glad i read it i probably will never reread it again but you know yeah it got me it got me back to to wanting to read and then after that i read um different seasons which has um like four really good short story short novels um it's the one that has the Shawshank Redemption and um the body which you know stand by the me. body became stand by me yeah a really creepy ass story called apt pupil oh it, which was oh which, which is my favorite i loved it it was so creepy but <laughs> i loved it it's like it's ooh this uh nazi war criminal and this um all american kid develop this weird kind of like symbiotic relationship yeah and they they both bring out the worst in each other and it's kind of um, like I thought the creepiest part for me was that, that, um, like I hated them both right away. And normally I don't <laughs> read books that with, with characters I actively hate, but, um, but then there was, there were also moments like I never really warmed up to the kid, but, but I did find myself thinking, you know, like I just really wanted the Nazi to, to kill him at one point. Yeah. And you I know. was like thinking about it and I was like, why am I rooting for a Nazi to kill a, a teenager? Like, this is so wrong. Yeah. And you, you feel kind of sorry for the Nazi. Like he's this old washed up, you know, living on a fixed income guy. And, and it's like, he went bad and he was part of a you know bad political system and bad regime but this kid like i don't know he was just so much more sinister to me than the nazi was yeah because his badness was a whole lot more subtle and he was more you know subtle about it no one knew about this hidden side of him uh, and and i think that stephen king like I, I think he must have a this kind of a fascination with like amoral teenagers and with like the whole idea of kids being innocent because um I don't know, like I, I somebody told me after I said something about reading reading apt pupil and how disturbed I was that I should um go get the Bachman books. Oh my god. Um, yes. And read Rage. Yes. That is the one. I don't think that's in print now. I think he took it out of print because he was so disturbed that um one of the Columbine shooters pinpointed it as one of his inspirational books that he read. Yeah. And, yeah. and Stephen King was so, you know, distressed by this that I don't, I don't think it's in print anymore. I know. I mean, you can buy the, so you can buy the Bachman books. I think you can still buy them, but I don't think it's sold as a standalone book anymore. Um, it, it, it's on, I have the collection from the, that Bard did with, with, um, the running man and rage the and walk. the long walk. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I, but it, you know, it, it'll, it'll be interesting. But yeah, you're right. I mean, the majority of those books, I mean, he, he seems to have a fascination with kids and the way they experience the world. And, and it comes out in books like rage and it, and, uh, you know, even, um, the, even the shining. Yeah. In fact, I, I, um, like, there, there's apparently going to be a sequel published next year to The Shining, which is about Danny Torrance, the the kid in the book. And it was like, like I was so glad I knew that going in that there was going to be a sequel about him because I knew that he was not going to get killed. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so, what what other books did you um, did you read? Um. After that, I kind of um, 
I I totally switched gears actually, and I I read Anne of Green Gables, which was a reread for me. Um, and I have I have Anne of of Avonlea on my my digital player that, I, and I'm planning on reading that one. And then um, right now, I'm in the middle of a book called Far from the Tree by Andrew Solomon. And I that one was recommended to me by somebody on Twitter that I follow who actually like posted an audio boo about it and how much she loved it. And um, it was the like her fiction reading tastes and my fiction reading tastes are very different. But usually if she recommends a nonfiction book, mm. um, it's it's probably going to be something I like. So I got it from Audible and um, like was just really captivated by it right away, even though it's a 41-hour nonfiction book. Wow. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> that's saying a lot. But it's it's about um, it, it's about children and their parents and, and the children of parents who are or the parents of children with what what he calls horizontal identities because like there are the identities that you have that you can't control necessarily um like, you know, you're born a woman or you're born African-American or whatever. And then there, and those are your vertical identities and the horizontal identities are, are things that kind of get thrust upon you. Um, like the author, um, admits in the first chapter that he's gay. And Mm -hmm. so that was, you know, an identity that, that like was kind of thrust on him. And then he talks about, um, let's see, he talks about deaf people, dwarves, um, autistic people, people with Down syndrome, um, people with multiple disabilities. And then he switches gear is, and he talks about um, the children of rape um, mm. and, and criminal children and child prodigies and, and transgendered children. Criminal and then, like, children? And, like children who commit crimes? Yeah, yeah, mm. children who commit crimes. In fact, like there's a really touching interview with the, with, um, the parents of Dylan Klebold oh. of the Columbine <laughs> massacre. Mm-hmm. And and how like that has has really impacted their lives, um, and and I, I thought that was really like those people are are just really incredible people because they apparently still live in oh my gosh Littleton, <gasps> and I I just can't and and yet, like they say that they haven't left because like what would be the point? It's not like they could you know like people would recognize them right. But no it matter where had they so went. many memories, though, in that in the town. Yeah, and I, you know, I just I don't know. Like the, the it was really like a fascinating section of the book where he talked to them because it seemed like he clearly respected them mm-hmm. a whole lot, right? And um, so I'm almost done with that one. And then the other book I've been reading um, is Archangel by Sharon Shin which is completely different from <laughs> any of that those and that's like a Sharon Shin is one of those authors I really love but I always feel like you know I love her books so much that that I end up not finishing them because then there will be no more yeah <laughs> I know what you mean by that which is silly but you know um and Archangel is basically a romance but it has like it it's not really a conventional romance because it's set in this world where um, there are angels and humans and the angels and humans basically kind of have to live together in harmony or else because their, their God is watching over them. And if, if the angel, if, if the archangel 
and his human bride do not sing together um, at this appointed day, you know, at the celebration of the gods, like he will rain down fire and destruction. Goodness. But but you get the the, the hint that, that like the god might not necessarily be um, – entirely religious <laughs> oh <laughs> like they're like it talk there's a se- there's a section in the book where they they where like the character um the archangel gabriel and yes there's a lot of biblical imagery everywhere <laughs> um he he goes and he visits an oracle and the oracle is basically punching buttons and looking at a computer screen that's awesome and that's how he talks to his god so it like you know i i i I think that um, there's definitely it, it's a fascinating world, like the whole idea of of religion as like, or God is this like you know, sort of sci-fi thing is kind of cool, um, and and it's I I got that on Bard and Roy Avers narrates it and um, it's I I think that he's a really good um, narrator for that those books. I was kind of surprised by that, but you know it. Turned out that he did a really good job. Oh, good. Um, Well, my reads for the month, let's see. I read, my reads were kind of somber this month. I was like, I I read um, a book called Revelation by C.J. Sansom, which is a a mystery, but it takes place in like um, 16th century London. And it's during the, the time of, I guess, Queen Elizabeth when the Protestants are starting to, you know, get popular as a religious movement in England. And um, basically, it's about a serial killer who is killing people and making the killings look like one of the judgments in in the book of Revelation that's in the Bible. And it was really creepy. Um, This, and, and he would... It, you know the 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 killer would i mean like ritually construct these murders so that it would mirror you know and and you can read the book i mean you don't have to know the bible in order to understand what they're referring to because they they talk about the 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 symbolism in the book you know well this person is supposed to burn to death and this person is supposed to drown and this you know so you, it's not like you have to read the bible beforehand to study for it uh but it was just really creepy the way he constructed um the the killings and and you figure out who he is towards you know the end of the book and and he has his reasons for when he did not that they're completely sane but um it it was it was i, I found it really really um fascinating and of course, you get in in the book. You get a little bit of the author's own fascination with that, with that book of the Bible, and he, you know, speculates um, through the various characters about why it was even written because it's so completely different from the rest of the, the rest of the New Testament. You know, the whole um, God is love, and and this is the way God works by you know teaching you parables, and 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 then this you know like whoa, the world's going to end in all these horrific ways. Why is this book even there? And so it was really yeah. interesting to read the speculation. I mean, some people really do believe that it was written to sort of commemorate the fact that Rome was going to fall in a few hundred years. And Rome was the center of the world as most people measured things. You know, most people tried to live according to Roman standards and by Roman values. Um, and it was on its way down when, uh, you know, John of um, Patmos originally, you know, allegedly penned the book. So um, it was very, it was very fascinating. And so then uh, on the heels of that, not really coincidentally, I started reading the first few of the Left Behind books by uh, Tim LaHaye and, and Jerry Jenkins. And, you know, I don't think I would have read as many of them 
if I hadn't gotten versions read by A, Bob Askey, and B, Frank Muller, both of whom are <laughs> awesome beyond belief. Yes. And, and if, I mean, you know, if I didn't have them reading it, I, I don't think I would have stayed as interested as I did. But I didn't read them for, I mean, you know, it, it, the, the Left Behind, for, for those of you who don't know, is... Um, you know, what would happen if the world were to end exactly the way it is described in the book of, of Revelation with all the, you know, not, you know, t- going from the premise that the book itself is not symbolism, but everything will happen the way that it says it will. Literally. Literally. Yeah. And um, it, the writing is just, it's really poor quality writing. Uh, but that, when I read books, fiction books, I tend not to evaluate them for literary you know, I tend not to exercise much literary criticism. I just kind of let it, you know, just flow over me. And the overall impression of the book is mostly what matters to me um, because I read for escape purposes. But this writing is is pretty, pretty bad. Um, the, the authors themselves are, you know, they like to tout themselves as, you know, thinking and questioning people when in fact they really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're people that believe that the Bible says what it says and that's all it means. So based on that premise, you know, they're, the world is going to end exactly, you know, with, with this, you know, all the things that, that Revelation says are going to happen are going to happen exactly the way that the, the book says they will happen. Um, and, and I got a little bored after a while. It was interesting when it started out, you know, well, how will they translate this into modern terms, you know, and, and what will the big, huge worldwide earthquake feel like, you know, th- those are the kinds of things that I w- was kind of curious about and how they would describe them. And everything just sort of fell short for me. Yeah, I, I had a similar um, reaction to the to those books. How far did you get? Did, how many, how, how many be, of them did you read? You'd be ashamed of me. <laughs> I got through book number 10. Wow. Yeah. And, you were almost done. <laughs> oh, I may finish them at some point, but I mean, no Frank Muller, no Bob Askey. The The last <laughs> three on Bard are narrated by Jim Zeiger, which, eh, he's okay. Yeah. But I mean, you know, so, so I, you know, I, I don't, and, and the last three uh, commercial ones are narrated by some other person that I'd never heard of. Um, and and so you know I don't I don't know if I'm going to finish them or not. The reader was what did it for me, and, and yeah. now that I don't have the good readers that I like, I'm not really that interested. I lived with somebody who had who had a co- had copies of all the books, and I was bored one day, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I started the first one, and she made me stop because I had to, I would uh, like they were on cassette, and I would mm-hmm. stop the cassette to like yell at the book, and she was and and like they were books she really liked, and so I think she made me stop because like you know. Like, of course, nobody wants to hear like something that they follow enough that they had the complete series um, <laughs> denigrated the way I was denigrating them. But I was like, and I don't read, I don't typically notice bad writing either. But um, yeah, but they're like, it was so clunky. Um, and I, I couldn't get through. Um, I think I got through maybe two or three of the tapes. <laughs> <laughs> and, then I, and then she made me stop. Honestly, and then I, yeah. I encountered um, this okay. blog that uh, where th- this guy who is a, a liberal evangelical, which I didn't know that those existed, but apparently oh, they absolutely. do. Oh, yes. Um, he he started to to um, do like deconstructions of the books and he's done the first two and now he's on the third. Which book is this? I mean, which blog is uh, this? I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, 
Um, the blog is called Slacktivist. <laughs> I love it already. <laughs> and and he's he's really um, he's fascinating to read because he's he's a very thoughtful person and he's not like he's sometimes snarky and and like sometimes he does criticize the bad writing because there's a lot there to be critical there is of. There's some that is really bad. And Somebody and I is. imagine that if you're reading the books in in print, like you know, and you don't have the excellent narrators, you <laughs> you, you can like it, you notice it more. Um, but he so he's talked about a lot of things. Um, like he's talked about how how like he thinks that that the the biblical prophecy is wrong, but then some of his posts are about how like. It, the 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 methods that the authors use that are like just not good storytelling they're just lame some of them some yeah of them. so and, there and, are a few things that are actually kind of kind of clever and kind of good and but most of it is kind of lame <laughs> yeah and he's not mean spirited about it i mean like it's clear that he doesn't like the books but he's not like i I've, I've never gotten the sense reading his post that he's pointing and laughing right which which means that i would i i would enjoy them a lot less if he were mm. When when the books first started, the Antichrist character, I kind of thought, I mean, he was like a really bad guy, but he was also really sort of sort of cool because he was sort of like his message was very subtle. And uh-huh. that's why a lot of people fell for him, you know, fell for his hype or what however you want to say it, became loyal to him. But then after and, and I'm not spoiling anything here for any of you who know the, the, the book of Revelation because the Antichrist becomes devil incarnate after a while. And then he just goes a little bit crazy. <laughs> I mean, total madness. Now, I would have liked him better if he would have stayed more or less stable, but he 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 doesn't. I mean, not that I'm going to worship the Antichrist or anything, but I mean, you know, right. as a character. Or he'd have, like, struggled with it, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I pretty much knew that he was not going to struggle with it because he dedicated himself to Lucifer, as he called him, you know, early on in his life. But, um, you know, it, it was sort of like when, when the devil inhabited him uh, in the fifth or sixth book or one of those— he just went from being, now you'd think he would be even more clever and cunning, but instead he went a little crazy. <laughs> like he, he went from being like a... Like um, like a clever, stable, crazy person to a totally nutcase, insane, stupid, crazy person. Now you'd think it would be sort of the opposite. I mean, you know, the devil is supposed to be God's adversary. You know, he's supposed to have, or be at least a little bit clever. I mean, he had to be sort of clever in order to get, you know, the angels to follow him, some of the you know, angels. So why would they make the devil just such a crazy, crazy, insane spirit? Anyway, it was, it was kind of weird. I just, I didn't like the way they did that. Um, and the books got clunkier, if you can believe it, as they went on. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. So my rant about the Left Behind books is over with. And I will um, really quickly tell you uh, a couple other books I read. I read Dolores Claiborne by Stephen King, right after I finished 112263, because I just had to have another King fix. Um, and it was wonderful. I had never read it before. I, I love Dolores Claiborne. It was great. And um, he, he has written several books with very strong female characters in them, and that, that's definitely one of them. And he's also written, it was like in a, in a time period there for like five years, he wrote several books in a row that dealt with domestic violence issues. Um, Gerald's Game, uh, Dolores Claiborne, Insomnia, Rose Matter, and those are the four that I can think of. They were kind of like all in a row from 1989 to 1995. Um, so I don't know whether he was going through something in his life or it was just something he was interested in, but they all kind of have that similar theme. 
his feminist period, if his you will. His feminist period. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, and uh, the last book I'll mention, since, you know, we, we both will mention four here. I read um, a book called Nightwalkers by P.T. Duderman, and it's a mystery, and it's it's like... It's a part of a series, and so I hadn't read any of the other books in the series, but I don't really feel like I missed much. Um, it's about a, a retired police officer who's who's founded his own detective agency, and he purchased, apparently this guy is not hurting for money, he purchased a $2.5 million plantation house. Nice. It's like really old and falling apart, but it's like seven, eight, 700 acres of land, this real nice house. And these people are playing pranks on him, some of which are really, really nasty, in an effort to get him to move out. And uh, it's kind of like, you know, his effort to find out who is doing these things, because some of them are just stupid, and some of them are kind of creepy, and some of them are just really nasty. And he has to figure out who's doing it. And I, and I started this book because I'm, I'm trying to find really good books about North Carolina, because, well, that's where I live, and, um, you know, fiction and nonfiction books. And that happened to be one that someone suggested. Uh, and it was it was good. I enjoyed it, except for, of course, I did not like the narrator. But that's that's just beside the point. Um, he was yeah, really monotone. Yeah, what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but it was good. Um, meanwhile, we had some news items come up this month. Yes, we did. Um, uh, Barnes and Noble has released the Nook for the um, iPhone, and well, it's been around for a while. But this version of the Nook has accessibility features, and it works with voiceover. Nice. And I have played with it. I haven't actually read a book um, using the app, but I did. Um, I I did sort of test it out and do some exploring. Um, and I imported a book from from to the Nook using Dropbox. Um, so it you have to. The only thing is that you have to have a Barnes & Noble account, which is not that hard to set up. I mean, it's your standard, you know, email address and password and right. blah, blah, blah. And um, you have to buy your books from the Barnes & Noble website. And um, that's not any different from any other apps. Like, that's not, a you know, an accessibility issue or anything like that. That's just because Apple doesn't want to, you know, take away business from like iBooks or whatever. Right. So, but uh, you know, once you do that, then they sync the next time you launch the app, um, they, they will sync onto your, your phone and you can have them. Awesome. So, um, it, it's, it's really cool. And they have a, they have an accessibility tutorial, um, that, that like they was totally, I thought really nice because they, they went above and beyond the call of duty. And most of it is like not anything that, People that aren't familiar with iPhones um, won't have been familiar with, but it's nice to know that that like they care, you know, they care, and so they have a lot of the common voiceover gestures, and a lot of them I didn't know. Like I can never remember how to get like from the top, uh, like to the top of the screen and to the bottom of the screen from from voiceover. Mm-hmm. So like you know, like that gestures on there, and um, you know the usual things like the the two fingers swipe down and starts the book in continuous reading. Um, so uh, like it tells you things like that. So um, yeah, it, it's it, like they've done a really good job with it. Oh, good. And so now the only like, well, the only major holdout is still the Amazon Kindle app, which is not accessible. Not at all. It's 
really even not even partially accessible. It's Apparently, really like all the controls are accessible. You just can't read. Yeah, well, you, yeah, you can't read anything. Like if you try and pull up a book, <laughs> there's nothing there. Because, I mean, I went into the Kindle app on my, I have a Kindle app on my PC and I have several books in it. Uh, and I actually did go into the iPhone and, in, in, you know, installed the Kindle app on the iPhone and I could see the list of books. But whenever I tried to pull one up to read it, it was just like voiceover didn't register anything on the screen. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully they'll, hopefully they'll uh, work on that. They say they are going to and they never do. But you never yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, Someone who actually did what they were going to do, what they said they were going to do, um, it took them a few years, but they finally have done it. The National Library Service, Service for the Blind uh, here in the U.S. has integrated their, bra their digital Braille site and their digital audio site. So BARD is really BARD now instead of just ARD. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so now you can go uh, on to uh, where you used to be able to download audiobooks, and there is a link to find Braille books, Braille music scores, and music instructional um, tutorials and things. Uh, and the site has a couple of nice new features, like a wish list where you can put books that you on there that you haven't downloaded yet, but that you might want to read in the future, and um, some nifty new search capabilities. Uh, so, so what are your impressions of the new Bard site? Have you had a chance to play with it? I have, and I really like it. Um, in fact, I was I was on there last night, um, just like doing a little tooling around, and I love the new wish list feature because, like, often what happens with me is that I I see a book that that like looks really good, and then I will download it, and then I'll put it on an SD card or on, on a thumb drive, and I'll be like, oh, I'm gonna read this, and then like it never happens. Mm -hmm. And so the wish list is nice because it it like keeps me from from like I can just be like okay do I really want to read this right now no okay then <laughs> I'll just yeah. wait and um, also I I like um, the fact that that in their recently added books they've started including the magazines every time that that a new issue comes up which I hadn't like. Uh, I haven't really done anything with magazines for a long time because I used to get Braille and taped magazines. And then, um, like, you know, I would have like a giant stack of boxes <laughs> that I hadn't gotten to. <laughs> and so, like, for the sake of the trees, I canceled my magazine <laughs> subscription. Yeah, ask Rodney about my cooking light boxes sometime. <laughs> and, and so, like, and the tapes were the same way. It was like, well... Um, I don't know about this. <laughs> like they're just accumulating, but I really like that the magazines are up there now. And in fact, there are magazines up there that I like, I didn't know that they had. Um, I saw the same thing. I was like, what is this magazine? There are like there was, 92 different magazines and I had no I idea. There's one called the week. I don't, I've never heard of the week and I had to like wiki to look it up on Wikipedia. It turns out it's like a Newsweek type of thing. I don't know what I was expecting it to be, but because of the name like that, that seems kind of obvious in retrospect. But well, they used to have Newsweek, and and I don't think they have Newsweek anymore, but they have the Week. I I think that Newsweek used to be done by APH. Was that who did it? I, I don't yeah. know. I got it for a very brief period, so I can't remember where it came from. But yeah, and 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 they have Reader's Digest in German, which I thought was kind of weird. But hey, but no Reader's Digest <laughs> in English, right? <laughs> Um, but they, but 
so yeah, I I do like what they've done, and I I think that um, it's easy to to find like there's a link that you can click on to go like directly to the Braille stuff if you want to see that. And the thing that I do wish is that I feel like the cert is a little bit clunkier than it needs to be because um, I was like searching for an author's last name and like it used to be that when I would bring up an author like Stephen King I would get their backlist in alphabetical order mm-hmm. and now it appears to be in some arbitrary order that mm. I don't understand <laughs> yeah but, and I think I think they'll iron that out and sometimes yeah. I found the search results will come back and say something weird like items one through 250 of 16 <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've seen that too <laughs> Like, all right. <laughs> Good to know. Well, now. <laughs> but other, than, I mean, you know, except for the the search thing, I I really like what they've done. It's easy to it's easy to navigate. Um, it's very user friendly, and and I do like the wish list. Yeah, I do too. Because I used to download books. I, I probably have like nine hundred books on my hard drive, and I don't even know what they are. Yeah. Because I'm I'm kind of like you. I would download it and say, "Ooh, this sounds really good," and then you know I wouldn't delete them after a while I just keep them so now I have all these books and I have no idea what they are and organizing them is turning out to be a big pain yep pretty much so I'm glad you enjoy that because I I'm I hope that other people do too because I mean there is this list called the bard talk bard talk at yahoogroups.com and uh, it seems like a lot of people air their frustrations on that list and so you don't get enough of the wow it's this is so wonderful <laughs> Yeah. Type of talk. You get all the frustrated people, which is fine. I mean, you know. Well, they they have a right to it, I guess. Oh, absolutely. So. I mean, you know, it has its own frustrations, but I'm I'm very happy that the um Braille has been integrated finally. Yes, definitely. Now I'll use it more. Me too. <laughs> well, anyway, moving right along, um the last news item is just something for everyone's general reference. The New York Times came out with its top 10 books of 2012. I was about to say top 12 books of 2010, but that's not right. Uh, (laughs) um, And um, it has a couple of books on there about President Kennedy and his family, which I thought was pretty apropos because of, you know, the book that we read this month that we're really going to talk about, I promise. Um, One of the books is called A Passage to Power, and it is a nonfiction book. Uh, it, It talks about President Johnson's turbulent vice presidency before President Kennedy was assassinated. Um, And I didn't know that he had so many uh, problems as a vice president, uh, but apparently he had a lot against him. And, you know, people were very skeptical about how he was going to take the reins after Kennedy, uh, you know, suddenly departed. So that book, you know, it it may be interesting to you who are interested in now President Kennedy after reading Stephen King. Um, And another book that's called The Patriarch is another nonfiction account of the life of Joseph Kennedy, who was the father of John and Robert and the other famous Kennedy children, uh, and how he, you know, raised his kids and, and you know, how they lived and, and that kind of thing, uh, and his values as a, as a person. So if any of you are interested in those, you can find them uh, and, you know, in the New York Times uh, book review, and I'll post a link to that on the in the show notes so you can find all the books that were listed. Incidentally, Far From the Tree is listed in that uh, article as well. Definitely well worth it. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, I, I really do want to read that, incidentally. I, I, I think that's probably one of my reads for the next month or two. 
Maybe when oh, I'm, definitely. Yeah. You should. Um, may take me a while since I'm not the greatest nonfiction reader, but I'm sure <laughs> I'll get through it. Um, okay, so homework. Yes, we read 112263, and um, it was it was the first time for you, Erin? Yeah, it was the first time for me. And I, well, actually it was like, I had read it several months ago. In fact, I read it in June when I actually visited Erin and, and we yeah. recorded the June podcast. I was reading it. So I did not read it again, um, but I think I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it, it's a pretty memorable book. I mean, yes. it, it's one of those books that I didn't, I mean, I'm not rhapsodic over it. Like I really, I enjoyed it. It was good. Um, there were things that I really wanted to have happen more of, but I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I really did like the book and, and I like, um, I liked especially, uh, well, two things. The first is something that Stephen King does a lot that I just love the way he puts people from other books into the book. Yes. And, and just inserts them just like, they're, you know, they're supposed to be there, but don't link them to the other book. Just put the people in it, you know. And he does that with this book. Um, when the when Jake goes to Derry, Maine um, in 1957, or is it 58? Uh, 57, 57 yeah. uh, That is at the same time that all the children in It are doing their thing. And... Um, you know, they have a summer of interestingness and he, Jake comes in after that summer and, you know, two of the kids from it are in the park and he meets them and they talk. Um, and it was just, that was really cool. I mean, if you hadn't read it, you wouldn't, I mean, you wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was very, like very well handled. Yeah. And he, he does that a lot. And, and I really like that. Um, another thing I really liked was his idea that the past does not want to be changed and will do, you know, anything it can to stay the way it's supposed to be or the way it happened in the first place. Because the yeah. idea of time travel is, well, you want to go back and change history. Obviously, that's what Al wanted Jake to do and what Jake tried to do. And, um, you know, and, and the book is all the obstacles that were put in his path to try and prevent him from preventing the assassination of President Kennedy. And, and it was, I mean, you know, it seemed like it kind of went over the top a couple times, but I mean, I really did like that idea. Yeah, I did too. And I thought that, um, like, one of the things I noticed about um, reading, when I read The Shining, um, which is a very different type of book, like, I, and and after having read eleven twenty two sixty three, like, it's interesting to see how, Stephen King has grown as a writer because The Shining was one of the earliest books he ever wrote. And, and uh, you know, 112263 is like his latest. And what I noticed about about um, The Shining was that in that book, I kind of felt like the foreshadowing was of the like, little did he know that he would never see her <laughs> alive again. <laughs> Uh, but but in eleven twenty two sixty three, I felt like the foreshadowing was was still there, but it was much more subtle. Like, um, like you kind of know going into this book that that like things are not necessarily going to be okay for Jake because, like, you know, like this is not a I, well, like I guess the whole concept of time travel kind of kind of acts as a bit of a foreshadowing thing because like we know in the real world that JFK did not get assassinated. <laughs> Well, wait a minute. You mean we know in the real world that he did yeah, get assassinated? Yeah, in the real world, but he did. Yeah, that <laughs> that he did not get stopped from being assassinated. Right. <laughs> um. <laughs> so so it's like well so 
so you know we know that Jake is doomed to fail, and so like it's it's a matter of like finding like the suspense for me was in finding out how he fails and or or if he does, and like what happens as a result, yeah. I agree. Um, I, I also, I really enjoyed the the fact that the book itself was just, was more multidimensional than most of what Stephen King wrote, especially in his earlier career. I mean, it has that, let's probe the deep, dark places of the soul, you know, back when, um, you know, when Jake is trying to stop, uh, stop the guy from killing his family. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, so he got his horror fix. And now, you know, he's moving on to history and, and, uh, and writing about that. And I mean, he gets, he gets some of that darkness, especially with um, the relationship between Lee Harvey Oswald and his wife, uh, which I had no idea that it was so tumultuous. Yeah, no. And, and um, for me, like one of the darkest aspects of the book was like, I mean, there was so much violence, but I guess I kind of expected that from a Stephen King book. But like the creepiest thing for me was was reading about the yellow card man yes just keeps showing up and you know it's like what is this guy like what what is the deal with him why why do the cards change color and and when it's supposed to stay the same because i mean al's telling jake oh it's the same every time but yet jake's noticing there are little differences yeah, I and I I thought the yellow card man was, and it wasn't like horror in this. Like the, the the violence in the books was not very supernatural at all. Like it was, you know, everything that happens is like you know things that people are capable of doing to each other. Right. And and I liked that. I and I liked that like nobody was being driven by like you know some deep dark forces of evil. Wahaha, you know, to do terrible things. Um, and, and like, you know, and even Jake, like, you know, has to kind of reconcile that himself with the terrible things that he himself has to do in order to accomplish his goals. Um, and and I liked the romance in the book too. Yeah. The romance was, was probably my favorite part of it. I, I thought that it was very, like, it, it was not, um, like it served it served a very interesting plot purpose you know like he basically he goes back to 1957 and then has to basically live there for a while because he can't like you know stalk oswalds the whole entire time so you know like it, of course he's going to meet people and and like form connections and i thought that the romance was very like i did not expect sweet and poignant out of stephen king yeah i i I have seen elements of that in some of his other books, but this was the most prolonged, um, sweet and poignant I think that I've ever that I've ever seen him in a book, and and I thought it was very sweet. Um, not to overuse the word sweet, but it, it was it was very nice and tasteful. Yes. Um, now the one thing that disappointed me the most was, and and this is totally because I love post-apocalyptic fiction the end when he goes to the future that was created when the assassination was stopped i wanted more of that mm-hmm. I, I totally wanted more of that creepy here's how the world is wrong and this is what has happened you know i i totally wanted him to spend like days there instead of just a, an hour and a half you know <laughs> yeah it just like wasn't long enough it's an audio yeah <laughs> 
like he go he goes back he meets like the exact right person to talk to about all this and right. you know <laughs> it, we, it was we, a little yeah maybe Stephen King was like okay I've written like hundreds and hundreds of pages it's really time to wrap this thing up and and so he didn't devote as much time but I thought that was disappointing too I thought that um like he'd done such a good job about not making the book very supernatural and like horror-ish um yeah that that when he finally got there it was too like it was kind of jarring to me it was like okay well now we're back on Stephen King's like familiar territory and I don't know if I want to be here because exactly. it's not where we've been before right and and I just I mean like he he was there for for a half hour figured it all out and then you know jumped back in to the time machine or whatever to try and fix it and I I, I don't know I just wanted him to stay there a little bit longer yeah but, um, you know, draw it out a little bit more. But maybe, I mean, you know, he may have just wanted to wrap up the book because he'd been writing for so long. Maybe the publishers had a page limit. I mean, you know, you just never know. But um, and, and I think, you know, he, his point also probably was that's not what this book is about. Yeah. And, but, uh, but definitely it would have been more interesting if there had been like more substance to it. And, and like for me, a little less of the freaky supernatural stuff yeah. like i kind of wanted to see more people being mean to each other i did too see i did too although that being said i do like the the fact that he hears this ripping sound in the sky and doesn't know what it is and it like scares him to death and creeps him out yeah that was really kind of interesting because of what that signified um that reality was sort of pulling apart yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I mean, I guess those are my overall impressions of the book. I really liked it a lot. I finally understand your reference to Pound Cake now. <laughs> Me and, and several people I follow yes. on Twitter. <laughs> yes, and I hadn't read the book at the time, and I'm like, Pound Cake? What? But now, thanks to Stephen King in this book, I, I get it. And I, and I do appreciate that he must have done a lot of research in order to make this come together. Because, I mean, there's a lot about you know, the 60s in here. And it's not just the historical. It, it's a lot of cultural references. And he really made me feel like I was living there. Yeah. And I really liked that. that um, I don't know. I, I was thinking the other day about, like, comparing this to, say, like, a Christmas story. Um, which is an odd comparison to make, but like what, the Christmas, book or the movie, the movie. Okay. The book is um, a completely well, different animal. I guess, <laughs> I guess the book too, because the book is set like during the great depression and it's very nostalgic and there's like, you know, nothing, nothing bad ever happens to these people. And it seems like such a great time to be, lo- to be living. And you mm-hmm. know, like there, like there's no darkness in it, but like Stephen King doesn't do that. And I kind of thought that, that like, like there was this little niggling worry in the back of my mind that he would. I thought so too. But he he's he, like he tempers that nostalgia with with like you know there's this one scene in particular that that sticks out in my head where he sees the sign for the colored restroom, which is basically like a little outhouse the somewhere. Ground, by basically, a creek. I mean you know. So and he talks about you know all the the unhealthy things that people get up to like you know, cigarette smoke and, you know, industrial waste everywhere. And, you know, it's just like, he, he definitely doesn't make it seem like, the, like, oh, the past was so awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, it, I mean, it, you know, it it's balanced to get that all that's balanced against like the really good root beer and the low prices and everything. So yeah, yeah you're right. It was a, it was a good balance. I, I think he does that. Like, it, it's kind of been interesting to see that too, as he's, he's, as Stephen King has gotten older himself, like, 
like he has been looking back with more with nostalgia in a lot of his later books. I keep thinking about like, isn't from a Buick eight like told in the from from like uh, wasn't it said in the sixties too? I thought it was older than that. I thought it was like the forties or something. Oh, maybe but, it was. But I but... honestly I can't remember. I can't remember. I haven't read it, so I just I'm just going by the the synopsis. Um, but so so yeah, like it's good that he's not gonna write like ten year old Danny Torrance, right? <laughs> Thirty years later, going back and oh no, the hotel is still haunted. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about next month's homework. It's almost Christmas time. <laughs> yes. And, and we decided that after eleven twenty two sixty three we'd give you something short, so we um, we chose a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, which is, instead of being thirty six hours long is about four, four or five <laughs> hours anyway long. So it's very short and sweet and perfect for the holidays because a it's Christmassy and b it's short. Yes, so you won't have to you know worry about a lot of long, you know long long reading, um, and you know this is Ebenezer Scrooge and his clerk mr pratchett and tiny tim and you know all your favorite characters from the multifarious uh, <laughs> scrooge movies that have been made over the years yes uh and um, disney to the muppets <laughs> to oh yeah i was thinking sesame street but that's the muppets yeah um you know and 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 the Various regular real people movies that were made. scrooged with bill murray oh yes exactly <laughs> um Okay, so we will be back in mid-January probably to talk about the wonderfulness that is Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, you can find it on Bard and, of course, in a regular bookstore. And I'm sure Bookshare has it. Oh, yeah. Um, you can also and find it in audio. Yeah, I'm sure that there are millions of audible um, narrations. So, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, I was going to say um, Patrick Stewart does a really good narration except for the fact that it's abridged. Oh, it's damn. really good, though. I mean, you know, it's abridged, but it's also just excellent. And I, I just love Patrick Stewart anyway. So yes, his yes, voice is just so awesome. wonderful. Um, but all that aside, um, there are many places you can find it. So have loads of fun with that. Have a happy holiday season of whatever variety. Um, and we'll see you in 2013. Ooh, yes, provided the world doesn't end on the 21st. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, and if you want to get in touch with us personally, I am Erin Edgar on Twitter. And I am Bard Song on Twitter. And the podcast, of course, is Book Hoarders on Twitter. And you can email it, uh, email us at bhapodcast at gmail.com. And the website is bhapodcast.com. That's it. Uh, and we will see you next year. All right. Bye. Bye. To contact the book hoarders, send email to bhapodcast at gmail.com. Follow Book Hoarders on Twitter. Call us at 520-81-BOOKS, 520-812-6657. And visit the website at bhapodcast.com.